Welcome to this episode of Horrific History and Hauntings. I'm Beth. And I'm Ramey. We're your hosts, here to talk about the stories that the history books ignore. From horrific epidemics and ghostly hauntings to the catastrophes and tragic events that have sickened humanity. And it's alphabet of death time. I love these episodes. They are fun and so light and so easy for me to do. That's because she's lazy. <laughs> it's not because I'm lazy. It's because other things keep coming up that I don't like. We are at the E's and F's for this episode, which means you need to come up with a cause of death that starts with E. Electrocution. Eating disorder. Oh, that'll do it. Yeah. yeah. Also eating lead. That's the first one on my list. It's very heavy. The risk of lead poisoning is primarily determined by the environmental conditions of the home, obviously. More common in low-income homes as well that were built before 1946. Lots of paint. Yes, with lead. You get unleaded gasoline now. Apparently, it's a great cause for behavioral disorders in children. So they realized as more automobiles were on the road with lead gas, uh, it caused a lot of issues. Pollution, more well, so. It caused a lot of behavioral disorders. <laughs> more children were getting in trouble. Yeah. Common causes of lead exposure are from paint chips and lead dust from the paint in these old buildings that breaks down. It's a slow process, but some of the symptoms can be impaired reasoning and violent behavior, as you mentioned. I knew it. Yeah. And children's smaller bodies absorb more of the lead than adults' bodies do, which does more harm to the children during their developmental stages of growth. The Romans used to put lead in their special wines. Oh. It was called something cool. I don't remember, but it... it um. That's nice. It has been blamed a little bit in part on the fall of the Roman Empire and infighting and stuff. Yeah. Because only the wealthy could afford it, and they were the ones that ran the place for the most part. In September 1999, a 28-month-old from Wisconsin, a little boy, was brought to a hospital after four days of, of the lack of energy and reduced appetite. His parents told the doctors that he had been known to eat the flaking paint in their home. Is that lead paint I was talking about? He developed seizures, fell into a coma, and 26 hours later, he died. That's unfortunate. Yeah. There was also a picture of an advertisement in this book, and I'm actually going to quote it. It's from 1927. There is no cause for worry when fingerprint smudges or dart spots appear on a wall painted with Dutch boy white lead. Painted walls are sanitary, cheerful, and bright. Because lead's just so clean. (laughs) I got this information from a book called Final Exits, the Illustrated Encyclopedia of How We Die. It's by Michael Largo. It's a very good book. I suggest you get it. You can get it on Amazon for $12.99, paperback. The total number of deaths from lead poisoning since 1930, and I want to say the book was published in 2006, if I'm not mistaken, was 49,212. And that's the ones we know of. Yeah, and that's the ones we know of. I suppose gunshots don't count. (laughs) Probably not. I don't think that's poisoning. I I think you're already dead before you can get the poisoning most of the time. Now we're moving on to Ebola. Ew. One of my least favorite diseases. I didn't know much about it. I heard Ebola all the time, but I never knew much about it. Mm -hmm. Ebola is 95% fatal to humans, monkeys, gorillas, and chimpanzees. How did it not like destroy the world before they found it? I don't know. It just evolved in some monkeys he had for testing. Yeah. In 1976, the virus was officially identified when 430 people perished in a gruesome way in the villages along the banks of the Ebola River in the Republic of Congo. I didn't know there was an Ebola River. Mm-hmm. That's where the name came from. Mm. That's why it was identified. Uh, 
It had spread by the reusing of hypodermic needles, and this is common practice in third world countries. Because it spread so swiftly and had an incredible incubation period of two days with almost no symptoms, it really captured the scientists' attention around the world. It should capture everybody's. Yeah. And I'm also going to quote the book on this one as well. The virus had the potential to wipe out the human race in 90 days, and rapid containment was essential as the disease spread primarily through the contact with bodily fluids. Which were almost every part of the body after they all became outwards. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. The dead that was infected couldn't be washed or handled, and those who were near death required immediate incineration as well. They just burnt the folks. Yep. Back to the bubonic plague time. This is one of the few situations, I hate to say it, it sounds like it had to be done. Yeah. As sad as it is. Horrific. They're lucky they caught it when they did. Yeah. If this had happened long ago, entire sections of the world have been just destroyed. Mm -hmm. They might have been. Who knows? How many people want to write about it when half the town's dying in two days? Yeah. (laughs) You don't have much time to write about it. You probably don't feel like writing either. Scientists in Italy, England, Switzerland, and the United States have been infected while attempting to find cures for Ebola. In 1989, in a Maryland suburb, the U.S. had its closest call with a mass infection. Four researchers became infected while doing research in the Monkey House facility. At first, they were slow with the virus control, but they increased the speed on it. When authorities initiated a countdown, it was either containment or sanitary elimination for all involved. That's very serious. Yes. You don't hear the government saying stuff like that often. No. It doesn't do well when you go to get votes. Yeah. And yeah, that's very serious for them to admit we will destroy Straight up say that. Yeah. Which means you need to get, which they should have been faster with the process in the first place. Oh, yeah. They knew what they were messing with better than anyone. Yeah. The virus was stopped, but only moments to spare. It was a very close call. Mm -hmm. In 2000, new strands of Ebola were discovered. Some believe it was created or manufactured. I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know, but who knows? I remember this. Yes, I do too. You were like eight. But I still remember Seven. Was there one more recently? Maybe like a few years ago? The strand is airborne, meaning Uh, millions could be infected with coughs and sneezes. As of the time of the book being written, since about 1976, about a thousand people have died from Ebola. But I know that it's definitely gone up since then. Because like I said, I'm pretty sure one happened a while back. Mm -hmm. I get Ebola and Ecola a lot of times when I I see them. I just read Ecola because I see it more often. Yeah. Maybe that was it. I bet that's what I'm thinking. We have E. coli outbreaks constantly. Yeah. Moving on to elephantitis. Oh. Or elephantiasis. How do you say it? I've always heard of elephantitis, but it's spelt elephantiasis. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> the elephant man disease. Yeah. In 2001, a man in Brooklyn, New York, arrived in a clinic with a white sheet tied around his waist. He carried with him his scrotum. That was described in the book as being the size of a beanbag chair. That's a problem. How does the skin even contain that? I don't know. It must grow very quickly or very slowly and he just didn't do anything. It grew slowly. He didn't do anything. He contracted it while he was serving as a missionary in Africa five years before. The reason he did not seek treatment during that amount of time was because he was embarrassed about it. Fair enough, I suppose. Yeah. It's caused by a parasitic worm that are carried by mosquitoes. Yep. And the mosquito will inject the worm larva into the bloodstream when it bites. Yep. It causes inflammation of lymph vessels and extreme enlargement of limbs, head, torsos, apparently scrotums. 
wherever it decides to settle down. Yeah. The blood flow is then blocked due to the inflammation, and that's what causes the limb, head, or genitals to swell until the it reaches that monstrous size. Mm-hmm. The increased blood constriction causes gangrene and eventually death. How did he live that long? I don't know. It ha- he had to be in pain. Yeah. So much pain. And at the time the book was written, elephant man disease affected about 120 million people worldwide. Mm. Since 1965, caused 40 million deaths. No vaccines available. Yeah. And there's very few medicines to treat it as well. Okay. Most people believe it is a regular mosquito bite that the swelling will eventually go down by itself because that's what mosquito bites normally do. This is why they don't think it's necessary to seek medical treatment until it's usually too late. John Merrick, also known as the Elephant Man, was treated very poorly most of his life, and he lacked manners due to this. Nobody would teach him, I guess, because yeah. he was looked different. He was saved from a cage where he pretty much was put on display for people's entertainment. He was saved by Dr. Frederick Treves, and he was described by this doctor as deformed in the body, face, head, and limbs. Oh. He had thick and saggy skin that hung in folds, which resembled the skin of an elephant. Mm-hmm. Dr. Treves taught him manners and called the condition elephant man disease. But it turns out that wasn't what it was. He had a much more rare genetic disorder called Proteus syndrome, found in less than 100 known cases. 243 Americans have died from elephantiasis or elephantitis since 1995 after traveling abroad. I've learned my lesson about traveling abroad. You got Ebola and this. That's all I need to hear about. Sorry. Well, we're going into more epidemics because that's the next topic. Epidemics. Oh, goodness. This book would have been updated for COVID. <sighs> the seas. If the author, well, surely he's still alive, I would hope. He should update it. If he's alive. Yellow fever. Any thoughts on yellow fever? I've just heard of it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've heard a Sawbones episode or two about it. It's a viral illness transmitted by mosquitoes. Those dirty little critters. Yeah. It typically lies dormant in the body for three to six days before manifesting as symptoms including fever, muscle pain, headache, chills, reduced appetite, nausea, and vomiting. A flu. Mm-hmm. Then the person will appear to recover. Mm-hmm. And about a week later, the fever returns. The victim turns yellow and they cramp up into a ball and they bleed from the mouth, nose, eyes, and ears. What is the cure rate? I don't know. Oh, dear. After 10 to 14 days, the liver and kidneys are destroyed and the person dies. That's, that's probably that not much back then. Anyway, I don't know about now. 1793, 4,099 people died of yellow fever in Philadelphia. The disease was transmitted by six sailors coming back from the West Indies. Always. And quarantine was the only treatment available, and they didn't do it very well. Yeah, understand it, I guess. I am quarantined. I just got to get milk. In 1798, Philadelphia had another yellow fever epidemic, which killed 2,085 people. All but 7,000 fled the city, and I don't blame them. Mm -mm. In 1803, in New York City, one cabin boy returning from the Caribbean caused the spread of yellow fever. And the captain swore on the Bible that the boy died from worms in order for the cargo to be unloaded and the passengers to be able to set foot on the land. So much for that. Yeah. Over 2,000 died and 50,000 citizens left the city. Man, surely there's some sort of vaccine now. Otherwise, this would still be spreading very badly. I think there is. Because I want to say it said at the time there was no treatment. So I'm assuming there's something now. In 1853, yellow fever spread in New Orleans. 
killing 7,784 people. City officials recorded the death of 100 people per day, and they still refused to call for quarantine. Oh. The reason for this was they didn't want to spread panic or interfere with the trade. Doesn't do any good if all of your citizens are dead. Apparently, the more privileged rich people were quietly encouraged to leave the city. Oh, dear. Yeah, and that's sweet. And the ordinary citizens had no relief until the colder weather came in the fall, causing less mosquitoes, even though it's hot in New Orleans. So. Was this the fever that was spreading through in Interview for Vampire? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, or was it just like the Spanish flu or something? I think they had a few epidemics. Oh, they have had a few. So it's hard to tell which one it was. In 1867, yellow fever was again in New Orleans. 4,012 people died. It was transmitted by infected merchants arriving from Africa. And this time they decided to try the quarantine method. What a novel idea. No trains were allowed in or out. And poor refugees who tried to flee the city were kept backed with men with shotguns. Yeah, stay away, unfortunately. It's for everybody's own good now. Back then they had to enforce it differently. I think they should have done that with the Ebola, too. Oh, goodness. They did, didn't they, pretty much? One area did. The American government Uh, decided. It shouldn't lead to that, though. You should have enough sense to not want to spread it to other people. How do they know it's a 95% survival rate? What one person survived is what I want to know. I don't know. Lucky one. Yeah. In 1879, in the southern United States, yellow fever caused 12,985 deaths. 5,000 people went to shelters in these they were called safe zones, but they were not so safe. They resembled concentration camps. How how would they possibly know who's coming in as clean? I don't know. Apparently they didn't because it still spread. Well, yeah. it says it spread because there was standing water and unsanitary conditions in the camps. Oh. And that's what increased it there. Yep. That'll do it. Because of the mosquitoes wanting to get up in the water. In 1832, cholera was in New York City. It caused 3,107 deaths. It is a waterborne disease linked to poor sanitation and sewage. It goes to the fecal oral route, which means you end up eating someone's poo in, uh, inadvertently or on purpose if you're that kind of person. And you get cholera, dirty poo water. <laughs> um, and then your die of dehydration because you have bad diarrhea. They call it rice water. The last few things that leave your body is rice watery white, and that's the Ew. lining of your intestine coming out. Ew. I learned that from Sawbones. There's an episode on cholera. I actually think I have that somewhere in my notes, too. Huh. Something I'm, about the rice water, I mean. <laughs> yep, it's disturbing. People didn't understand that it came from the water and the food or other materials that were infected by the feces of a cholera victim. And some things that would pass the disease along quickly was handling contaminated chamber pots, dirty laundry, and used bed sheets. Yep, nasty poo stuff. The New York Evening Post described how people would stagger and collapse on the streets. And it said as if they were knocked down with an axe. Um, It was also a cause of death in the game Oregon Trail. I don't know what that is. It's an old game. You try to travel the Oregon Trail. And usually you could name your you know, settlers, whatever you wanted. And so I named all after my coworkers. And <laughs> so I had like, oh, Tony has died of cholera. And Chuck has died of cholera. <laughs> yeah. 80,000 people left the city to escape. And in 1848, cholera hit New York City again, killing another 5,231. If you have access to clean water, you can keep yourself alive. You can survive through cholera. Yeah. Yeah. Just stop eating the shit water. Yeah. Wash your hands. Things like that. 1916. 7,500 people died from polio in the United States. Oh, I don't like polio. 
25,000 infants were infected. It's highly contagious. It's caused by viruses that live in the throat and intestinal tract. But it affects the nerves. Yeah. It's transmitted between individuals by food and water contaminated with, again, fecal matter. Stop eating shit. You know, I had no idea about that with polio. I didn't know because. I didn't know that until I read that. I knew if one of your siblings got it, they would burn all your toys and everything to make sure it didn't spread anymore. Oh, my goodness. That brought back an old memory of a childhood book I read about it. That's terrible. She had to have her little favorite, I want to say it was a bunny, stuffed animal burned because of it. And I never realized because it's a children's book. At the time, I had no idea what it was. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's so sad. That's what they done. Because I guess they didn't know. I guess children are the type of people who poo could get on everything. So, Yeah, from what I've heard, some horror stories. Yeah. I also heard that some parents um, think it's okay to just have piles and piles of dirty diapers laying around their house and children will put that in their mouth if they can crawl around oh i've seen houses like that and i i really do try not to judge people because i I, i'm assuming it is exhausting being a parent and but still why don't you put trash cans everywhere i get mad when i see them thrown out on the side of the road or like in the road just smeared all over the road oh no that happens at gas stations so much, and I don't understand why, because you can go inside, change your baby in the bathroom, or there's tons of trash cans at most gas stations' parking lots. Put it in the trash can. Or, I was talking to mom about it, because I found it so disgusting that people actually did this, and she said when we were babies, she would carry plastic, like old plastic grocery bags around just to make sure that she could put it in there if she couldn't find a trash can. Yeah. At the time. It must have been for you because I don't poop. I'm like Kim Jong-un. Oh, okay. <laughs> Alrighty then. <laughs> the primary cause, obviously, septic tank contents infected by, infected the drinking water supplies. Oh, no. I've been telling everybody we're going to get cholera. <laughs> <laughs> we had a septic tank issue not oh, too long ago. Yeah, but we don't. Well, well, how do you know? We don't eat it. No, but our pets go outside. Huh. Shaking hands. Or touching an object that an infected person had touched before is one of some of the easy ways to pass this along. In 1949, people still didn't learn not to eat or drink things that were contaminated with shit or how to wash their hands properly. So polio killed 2,811 people and infected 43,000 kids. Of course it did. In 1952, another 3,899 died from polio and 58,000 kids were infected. The virus affects nearly 20 million people who got it in their 50s and are still living. Oh, man. We had a president get it. In the 50s, not their 50s. Was it Roosevelt? I I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember which one it was. I think it was Roosevelt. F is for? Um, Falling. I mean, that's technically my notes, but I'll let you go with that. Um, Oh, I don't know. Huh. It was Roosevelt. I was right. I Googled it. I can't think of an F. Fracture? If it's really bad, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, we found out feces can kill you. <laughs> yeah, I'll go with feces. Feces. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of ways feces can kill you. Falling, the first one. Oh, okay. Most fatal falls are caused from simple trips or falling in bathtubs. According to the CDC, the leading cause of injury and deaths in people over 65 is due to falling. It's terrifying. Yes. In 1999, the New England Journal of Medicine reported that uneven floors, loose rugs, wobbly furniture, and objects on the floor cause more men than women to fall. Because women are better at remembering where these things are than men are. We just don't pay attention. Yeah. So apparently, for all you ladies out there, or 
anybody really. Um, they don't just keep asking us where things are, where they're supposed to be constantly just to irritate the shit out of us. They really just don't seem to be able to remember it as well as women. <laughs> oh, goodness. I don't know what the brain power is used for. Ah, each year, hundreds of thousands of emergency room visits and workers' compensation claims are because of falls from ladders. These are more falls from smaller ladders for, oh. like, changing light bulbs in offices than for construction sites. I had to use a small ladder where I used to work to change air filters, and um, I did have a couple of little stumbles. Mm. I, I don't like being on a ladder when I have to reach up for things. It, even if it's not that far up, I don't trust it. Mm -hmm. I don't either. And it wasn't the ladder's fault. It was the placement of everything around I had to get up around. Yeah. It also probably stems from the fact that every time I have to step up to get to that little cabinet thing above my fridge, whoever designed my house didn't have good sense because they put that little hang down light right there <laughs> and I bump my head on it almost every time. Right back down you go. <laughs> yeah. In 1996, a 20-year-old man broke into a real estate and insurance company office building in Huntington, New York. He spent the night trying to break into a safe and he realized he wasn't going to be able to do it that quickly. So <laughs> Time to vacate the area. He decided to vacate the area, but he did so while dragging this 600-some-pound safe, safe <laughs> along with him. Oh, of course and Then he, he got did. to the stairs. While trying to hold it up with his back, he lost his balance. There he goes. That's and a the tumble. safe tumbled over him and dragged him down the stairs <laughs> with it. <laughs> it's hard not to laugh. He was doing a bad thing, so it's easier. Yeah. He was found dead. Under the safe the oh. next morning. Oh, I thought he was just maimed or something. Oh, no. This is the death of the book, I oh, guess. Oh, you want to hear the real funny part? Mm hmm He failed to realize that the safe was empty all along. It's just too heavy to open that door and nobody bothered. Yes. <laughs> In 2003, 11,600 people died from falling. It's common. Mm hmm That's the fear of heights. That's why we have that. <laughs> Fashion kills as well. Okay. I can see that. Tripping. More falling. <laughs> Over the years, women's fashion has often been more stylish and not as comfortable. Did they put lead or mercury in their in their makeup for a while for yes. to make themselves look more plague ridden? Uh, not plague ridden, but uh, they did something with lead. But I'm pretty sure that there was a powder with mercury to make them seem more pale during the time they wanted to be more pale. Because of the, they they wanted to be more tuberculosis. Looking. Yeah, it was very fashionable. Yeah. In the 1800s and early 1900s, women had to wear a corset because that was like the fashion rule of the day. They would faint regularly due to the lack of oxygen. Thus fainting couches. Which actually reminds me, I don't know if this is true because it was just a comment on a TikTok and you know people like to say they are what they're not. But I don't know. I found it fairly interesting, though, if it is true. This person said that all this talk about corsets is not true, that it really wasn't that bad. But I want to say that maybe it's not actually the corset. Maybe they were just tightening them more than they were intended to be tightened. Read the instruction manuals, ladies. So I don't know. Actually, I see more men of corsets on TikTok now. There's actually a whole profile for a person making corsets for men. Hmm. Yeah. But it also says... Their lungs were not able to fully expand. I'm glad I get to sit here breathing in my pajamas as I'm reading this. It's nice. Yep. Eating anything more than a little bite was like sending an eviction notice to the food. Oh, dear. Yeah. That's disturbing. I couldn't handle that. Yeah. 
Yep. Their stomachs and intestines were like, nope, not today. I have a phobia of vomiting and nausea. Uh, I don't mind seeing other people do it, but if I feel that way, I'm going into a panic. I can't move my hands. I'm so panicked. Mm. It's bad. And it lasts for longer than the sickness does because once I feel nauseous, I can't stop. It's like a never ending cycle. Panic brings on nausea and then I panic more. Yeah. I never met someone like me, but I know it's a thing. I know that people have it. Yeah. You're, no, I've heard about it before. Not really as common as others, but I've heard about it. It's why I'm not a, a, a drinker, really. Mm. <laughs> not, a, not a serious drinker guy at all. There were many reports of girls dying because their livers were pierced with their own ribs. Oh. And oh. I want to say, when I was talking about that TikTok comment, I want to say that this was one of the things that was mentioned in the video that this person was commenting on. In the 1920s, corsets went out of style and eyes turned to the women's breasts. By the 1940s, the modern bra became the new style. A brassiere. Yes. Very uncomfortable. I wouldn't know. Must be nice. According to the authors of Dress to Kill, Sidney Ross Singer and Soma Grismajor. I don't have a clue. I don't know. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. They said that wearing bras messes with the lymphatic system around the breast, which traps toxins, and apparently that they think that ups the risk of breast cancer. Oh. After surveying 4,730 women, the authors found that going braless reduces the chance of developing cancer by 21 times. Percent, sorry. In 1999, two women, ages 24 and 39, were at an outdoor event when a thunderstorm came. Uh-huh. There were tall objects around them, but the lightning hit them. Because they had metal bras. It sapped them because the only explanation people could come up with was that it was the bra's fault. They were designed for bigger breasts and ended up attracting the lightning because... More metal. The wire had, I guess gauge would be the word you would use for a wire. I guess. I, I don't know they about had, wires or bras. <laughs> 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 they had thicker wires. In their bras because they had bigger breasts. The support. And that's what they assumed the only thing they could come up with was. Whatever happened to using animal ribs. They made a shocking fashion statement. Oh, dear. (laughs) Poor women. Oh, that is sad. Yeah. I would be coming back to haunt everybody if that's how that happened to me. The inventor of the brassiere. I'm dying not only uncomfortable because I got to be wearing it in the first place, but because of it. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Flying. That kills. Enough said. I mean, we, do we have to explain these things? Come it's kind of like the falling. What goes up must come down. Yeah. Gravity. Gravity kills. I wonder if that's in G or if they decided to skip that because there's so many that... Falling involves. Yeah. Did you know that for some reason when a plane crashes, passengers seated in row 23 are more likely to survive? I wonder how many people ask for that now. I don't know. In 1945, a B-25 bomber hit the Empire State Building, causing 14 deaths. In 1951, a plane crashed into homes in Elizabeth, New Jersey, killing seven people on the ground and 23 that were aboard the plane. Okay. In 1952, also in Elizabeth, New Jersey, a National Airlines DC-6 faltered, killing 26. It has to be near a airport. I mean, it's just like they're coming in or taking off and things just go real bad. Yeah, I would assume. Not a good place because to live. Because I think I also seen where it said most of them are closer to the ground or either trying to lift off or land when they crash. In 1955, 44 people were killed due to a bomb on a United States airline DC-C. A United Airlines DC-6B. Yes. I'm not good with planes. I heard this episode on uh, It's a True Crime thing on Christopher and Eric's True Crime 
Really? Podcast. I didn't. Uh, the, t- the dinner party show. Oh, well, it says a bomb. Was, so, yeah, it's obviously true crime. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the only reason I knew. <laughs> in 1960, a United DC-8 and a TWA jet collided mid-flight over Brooklyn, killing 127 people. In 1972, Easter Airlines plane broke into pieces into the Florida Everglades. It killed 101 people. And obviously, as I say in every other Alphabet of Death episode, there is a lot more than what I'm putting in here. They're just mentioning That's in the book. Yeah. I'm just mentioning the basics. In 1977, the worst ground plane accident happened where there was two planes had collided on the runway at an airport in Canary Islands. Really? On the ground? On the ground. 583 people died. Really? Yeah. I feel like there was definitely some mistakes made. The steward gave the wrong people some alcohol is what happened. (laughs) Yeah, you don't give the pilot the alcohol. In Wyoming, on April 11th, 1996, Jessica Mm Dubrovnik was allowed to attempt to set a record as the youngest kid to pilot a plane across the United States for her seventh birthday. She died shortly after takeoff when her plane stalled. Now, was that her fault? No, you you shouldn't let a seven-year-old... Even if it was. Obviously, a seven-year-old's going to be like, uh, hell yeah, I will, I want to do that. (laughs) They don't have that thing in their head that tells them, hey, this is dangerous. I probably shouldn't do it. It could kill me. She was one year older than me. I don't even remember seven years old. What would I be doing with a plane? (laughs) Oh, see, and I don't want to victim or I don't want to blame the parents either because, but... (sighs) It might not have stalled, stalled because of her error. It could have just been a problem with the plane. Maybe. We'll say that for now. We yeah, don't know. I don't know. It sounds nicer the all the way around. It was just an accident. She was mm-hmm. an excellent pilot. Yeah. An incident. We have another disease. Oh, great. Coming up. Flesh-eating virus. Oh, that's came up in Florida a few times lately. In 2004, a man went fishing in Bolivia at Lake Titicaca. Oh, you got it. Everybody loved to say that in school, in geography class. <laughs> I don't remember we learning were, that in we geography. We were middle school kids. I remember all the laughs. <laughs> the teacher expected it. Yeah. He got a small cut on his arm, and it got infected with Vibrio bacteria. When he came back to the U.S., he spread the virus to others. And you get some, and you get some. <laughs> you get flesh-eating bacteria. You get flesh-eating virus for everyone. I'm here to mend fences with my upset neighbor. <laughs> What do you say? We shake on it. Don't mind the bandage. Yeah. Shortly after this cut and spreading it to people, he got pneumonia and heart failure set in. That's what got him? Or was it because his immune system was already all kinds of messed up? I don't know. Hmm. His skin was getting eat off. So 40 people got sick and eight people died in Texas. The skin of the deceased looked as if they had been burned with acid. Yeah. It eats away the flesh. It's kind of just like acid. In 1998... A healthy 23-year-old from Sheffield, Illinois, went to bed with a bad toothache. They were found dead by the family three days later. Okay. Yeah. The autopsy revealed his toothache was caused by a flesh-eating disease called galloping gangrene. The infection spread to the neck and the chest, and that's what caused his death. He had a problem with chewing on pens and not washing his hands, which helped to contribute to this spreading of the disease. Even when detected early and given the right antibiotics, the odds of escaping unharmed are extremely low. Basically, amputate. Yeah. I mean, take it. it <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to die like that. Well, it said reconstructive surgery is usually needed. Uh-huh. At least. 
doctors had to amputate both legs and an upper arm muscle to save the life of a New Haven High School football player. He was touching people. You literally cut off all of his livelihood. Yeah, uh, that's unfortunate. He contracted it from skin chafe during a practice. Huh. A 45-year-old man from New Jersey lost his life just nine days after contracting a flesh-eating virus. Uh, this one was beta-hemolytic strep A. I don't want that kind of strep. No. It was from a small cut on his thumb while he was using rental tool equipment. And even with extensive efforts to remove the infected flesh, he ended up dying from the illness. So he just spent the last few days of his life losing pieces and parts of his body until he died. This still doesn't sound as bad as Ebola. I don't know. I'd probably have to flip a coin. No. 95% death rate? No, thank you. (laughs) I'll take my chances with the flesh-eating bacteria. But you need to keep a close eye on healing cuts for small little black dots. Apparently, that is about the only clue that a flesh-eating virus has. From about 1965, 34,833 people died caused by a flesh-eating bacteria and various flesh-eating bacteria. Yeah, there's more than one that loves the taste of humans. Yes. Moving on to our next little topic, foreign bodies. A parasite or? No, no. Okay. 2004, 29 people died from inserting objects into the rectum. Why? I bet that's when South Park got the idea for the whole gerbil thing. Mm, You see, they talked about that one too, and they also mentioned that the majority of the time the rodent dies and you are a giant pile of trash if you torture an animal for your own pleasure, especially uh, garbage, your filth. And it's not like you can shove any unliving object or even, you know, a person's genitals up there for all I care. I really don't care. That's do what makes you happy. But when you're killing an innocent animal, you need to rot in hell. Who would think a gerbil is a good idea? I mean, they use those in like I rats no in torture idea. movies, they use rats on your stomach to eat through you and everything. So why would you think a gerbil is a good idea? They're just I, cuter I, rats. I don't know. Definitely kink shame someone for because you are torturing an innocent animal. One person inserted an open deodorant bottle. One inserted a curtain rod, <laughs> which caused the rupture of rectal membrane and death from the rear bleeding. Rear bleeding. Yeah. Five others that died that year, the same year. From inserting broomsticks. A broomstick. <sighs> Let's see if I can pronounce this. It caused perinatal sepsis infection yeah, from the splinters. Yep. Or from inadvertently ingesting pieces of wood. That's what they call it, ingesting. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Two died from inserting chicken bones up there. Who would look at a chicken bone and think that's a good idea? That's exactly what I said when I read it. I said the same thing about gerbils, but both of those instances. What? What? I can't see it. I don't know. Yeah. It resulted in anal infection and rectal tearing. Yeah. At least the chicken was already dead and probably eaten before this ever happened to it. See, I also thought like bacteria and... And chicken bones can be sharp and pointy. That's why you don't feed them to dogs. Yeah. They splinter as well. They're hollow. The chickens kind of need to fly, so they have hollow bones. Yeah. One individual sat on a two-liter soda bottle. Oh, that was, that's, yeah, that's like a popular meme, isn't it? Which became completely engulfed inside of his anus. Wow. It pushed into his large intestine. Oddly enough, he died when he tried to get it out using a coat hanger. That's what got him the coat hanger. Yeah. Awesome. Since 1985, there have been 1,119 deaths caused by rectal ruptures due to inserting foreign objects up 
there. And like I said, this may have gone up in the time that the book was written. <laughs> Free Rent is next. That sounds a little more tame. A 27-year-old man lived on the third floor of his father's brick house in Brooklyn. He kept complaining about the toilet being broken. So his father sent three different plumbers up there over different times over the course of a year. Then he decided to go check the toilet out himself. While he was dismantling the bowl, the father reminded the son that he hadn't paid rent in eight years. And this caused an argument between the two. The father ended up beating his son to death with a toilet seat. That's like something you see in movies all the time, a comedy. Somebody beats somebody with a toilet seat. <laughs> or a toilet bowl lid. Yeah. See, I was thinking the um, back of the toilet lid. I feel like that would work better. Yeah. In March 2002 in New Jersey, a tenant renting a room fell three months behind in the rent. The landlord ended up drowning the tenant in the bath and dumped the body in the marshlands. Okay. He, the landlord claimed that he was an alcoholic and that he suffered from depression. So I drowned my tenant. They hadn't paid me to buy more alcohol. Yeah. I know a guy who rents land out to people and the stuff he has to deal with. I know a lot of people, it's not a popular opinion to side of the landlord and things, but some of the stuff he's had to deal with, I can see these rage moments coming up, especially if they haven't paid. Yeah. See, but there are some bad. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, Obviously. But he literally, it's mostly people that are on hard to do and they need a place to stay or they're going to be homeless. Yeah. Right. At least I've heard a couple of times when that's Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, he's up to a lot of time. For him. Like um, and these people trashed his home. Yeah. Trashed it. It's real hard for him to find somebody that would keep a place clean. Yeah. And obviously, like, some of the landlords go, they go on a power trip. But if they have certain rules, it is their property. You are renting it. Yes, it is your home as well because you live there. But respect their property. It's really... Not that hard to to not destroy a home. July 2002 in Brooklyn, New York, 18-year-old Delon Lucas and 20-year-old Clarine Jones claimed a building as their own and considered themselves the landlords. It was an abandoned building. It was not their building. (laughs) This is mine. The building had structural problems because it was abandoned. It had mold and lead paint as well. They would open the barricaded doors every night and they would charge an hourly rate to addicts who needed a place to do their drugs or for the homeless seeking shelter. The fact that you're charging homeless people for a place that ain't even for yours. For a place that's one, not even yours. And it's people that need a place to stay. That's what I don't like. You could have done that for free. It's not your place anyway. So it's not right either way. But if you're going to do that, why are you charging homeless people? But anyway, it's a health hazard more so than the lead paint and the um, mold. <laughs> don't tell shooting up heroin and eating the lead paint. What well, are we going to do? I would much rather. <laughs> I would much rather have mold and lead paint than step on a used needle. Sometimes they would also sell fake cocaine or heroin by putting the plaster dust in these little, like, wax paper packets. Yeah, that came up on Grand Theft Auto. I didn't know that was a thing, but, yeah. Why wax paper packets? Is there a reason for that? I don't know nothing about this drug trade method. That I don't understand, but okay. Yeah, whatever. They would also sell loose cigarettes for a dollar a piece. And one time, a 13-year-old boy came in to buy a cigarette. They took his money and tried to refuse giving him the cigarette while still keeping his money, which caused an argument, clearly. The boy was found beaten to death and stuffed in a cardboard box. Police took them in, and they tried blaming each other, as people like that do, for the crime of killing this child. They also claimed that they were being discriminated against because they were squatters. And um, 
I've put my own little thought in here. No, dumb fucks. You are pieces of shit that beat a 13-year-old child to death, you fucking garbage. You're not being judged because you're squatters. You're being judged because you are child murderers. Yeah, that's what they were being judged for, <laughs> legally. Earl Nelson, he was a preacher. Okay. He traveled the country, staying in many boarding houses. Normal. He killed at least 22 elderly landladies. He was hanged in 1928 for these crimes. And since 1965, 11,615 homicides that happened because of property rights. And that's all I have. A lot of diseases. I like the diseases. Well, that's fun. I always like these episodes. If you like what you heard here, we're part of the Gruesome Gaming Group network and we have two other podcasts one's called leveling do it's a podcast where i talk about video games with my friend dakota it's either new ones or old ones it's always a video game we've enjoyed and we have brother knows quest it's a podcast where i tell my sister beth here about tabletop role-playing games and she tells me if she'd like to play them and that's about that also we have better internet now we might be playing some of these video games on twitch and posting the videos on youtube later or playing a tabletop role-playing game and just posting them on youtube you can find a link tree link in the description of all of our episodes they will take you to our youtube or to our podcast homepage where you can choose one of the podcasts you want to listen to find your podcast app follow from there donate if you really want to that'd be nice we'd appreciate donations like that we had a donation not too long ago from a man named Harold. Very kind of him. Thank you. If you want to contact any of us, use any of the social links or the email link to HH&H in the link tree. And you can tell us what you think, what you would like us to cover, correct somebody on pronunciations. We have a lot of those problems. If you want to subscribe to the YouTube, like, comment, that'd be great. Or if you want to review us on one of your podcast apps, another thing we'd appreciate. Follow the Twitter in the link tree and I will post any kind of live thing we'll be doing be a stream on Twitch or something like that. That's how you'll find out when we're doing that. Unless we have something scheduled in a future episode, I'll just mention it. That way you'll know when it comes. Anyway, thank you for listening. I've been Ramey. And I'm Beth. This has been HH&H. Bye-bye.